This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Guido's Pizza. Located on International Airport Road in Anchorage, Guido's has been serving the best pizza, pasta, sandwiches, and more since 1984. Guido's is open daily for dine-in service from 11 a.m. to midnight, and they do takeout and delivery until 2 a.m. Whether I'm dining in a Guido's or ordering for delivery, the hardest part for me is always choosing what to get because they have so many amazing items on their menu. If you're looking for a quick bite or want to order food for a big party, Guido's is the place to go. Tell them Jeff from the Landmine sent you. Okay, back here in studio with uh, Anna Browley from the Anchorage Assembly, West Anchorage. Hello. Hey, how's it going? First time on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Happy to have you here. You were elected last year, right? Uh, this year, actually. April of this year. Oh, it was this year. Wow. Yeah. That's more, yeah. Still I know. Fresh. It feels like forever. Time yeah. flies. <laughs> yeah. I had Daniel Voland on here, and I was like, when did you win? And I was like, oh, shit, it was only like a year ago. Yeah. A special one. Okay, then we got Eric Visser. Um Mr. Construction and previously with the state home builders. Correct. Yep. For a while you were with the Anchorage home builders, right? Yep. I was president Anchorage home builders 2020, 2021, and then president for the state home builders this past year. And you've been on the show a couple the video um, show a couple times yep. we did years ago, um, kind of a housing deal with Brett Watson. and Yeah, that was, I think, pandemic era. Talked about yeah, cost increases and materials, logistics, that sort of thing. And I think July Leslie was on, a realtor. And then mm-hmm. recently around with Christine, Christina Hendrickson about yep. the uh, Holton Hills debacle. Correct. Which yeah. is, I'm still fucking really angry about that one. So I'm not afraid <laughs> it could to come back. that. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Right? <laughs> yeah. It better come back. Yeah. My God. At some point. <clears throat> so we're here to talk about housing, and you guys were involved. There was a housing summit, uh, I guess, a month or two ago. Yeah, Friday, November 3rd over at UAA campus. So I guess, you know, we've I've talked about this a lot, but, like, what is going on? You know, we, we have these uh, nationwide, obviously, the prices and the, and, the, and the interest rates, which is odd because when rates go up, prices should go down should be inverse hypothetically yeah but that's not you know there's supply issues but i guess what i want to first ask is why is it that the valley is building so many houses i think like half of the houses last year were built in, in the whole state were built in the valley i mean they're doing something maybe i'll start with you like what what is it regulations is it are this just cheaper labor i mean what's there's something going on out there where they're building Yeah, I think there's a lot of things. And then obviously, Eric, you know, in the building business can answer that question, Mm -hmm. too. But I think from my perspective, um, you know, we we have seen an economic slowdown. And so uh, we're not building as much in general. Um, But I think in Anchorage, especially, um, we've just we've basically made it really difficult to build, really expensive. And that was true before interest rates went up, before we had our recession. Um, some of it has to do with our zoning code. Some of it has to do with, um, you know, earthquake safety, like things that we actually do want, that it should be, um, we should have higher standard for building in our in our community. I, I wish but, we could break it down, because like a friend of mine is, is in the process of, of, he's wanting to build a house, and he started looking into this years ago, kind of before covid and, and I'm not even kidding, like the exact house he wanted to build four years ago has almost doubled to, to, to you know, build it brand new. And I, th- I think he's probably just going to buy something now. Mm-hmm. Beca- and I wonder how, I mean, I know some of that is costs. Obviously, supplies have gone up, mm-hmm. labor's gone up. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I wonder how much of that, like an anchorage here has to do with the regulatory. Where like, my friend Jesse Sumner is a builder in the Valley, he's in the legislature. And then Rob Yunt, they're both builders. And, right. You know, th- you probably know those guys, right? Yep, yep. And, and they're just kind of like... Almost laugh, you know, almost laughing. They do because, laugh because they're, they're doing they so really much. They're do doing so much in the valley here in Anchorage. Know? Yeah, it's pretty crazy how much uh, stricter it is to build. They obviously they don't have any building codes out in the valley, so they can pretty much build whatever they want. 
And I would say there's no, I would say, silver bullet that's the reason why they're building so much more in the valley. One of the major things is land availability, right? Mm -hmm. They have these huge swaths of land that somebody can go subdivide and then put up 20 homes on them, you know, some of these smaller developers, that sort of thing. And I'm well, going to guess the homes don't have piped water and sewer, right? So, right. so a lot of them are on septic. So you're yep. not building out a pipe all the way from the highway to where your house is. Correct. And what, what's the sweet spot of like too much regulation and then on the other end, I mean, I, I guess I, I wouldn't say they have no regulation, but I mean, they probably have a lot less you know, so when it comes to maybe earthquakes or like, where's the, you want to have obviously enough to make it safe, but not too much to where it's burdensome, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they really do have no regulation. There is no building codes out in the valley. Nothing? Nothing. Zero. Wow. I know. <laughs> I think all they have to do is do, they just have to do land use, right? So if somebody's doing a big development, you know, they're saying, oh, we're going to put 20 homes on here. I think that that goes to the borough. The borough approves it, and then they can start building. So a lot of it is handled by, say, like the financing arm, whoever the bank that they're getting financing through. They'll do inspections to make sure that the home's safe, and if they're required to build to a code um, through that financial institution, then they will. But the city has no say in it. I, I guess, I mean, this is getting into more of a philosophical question. It's like, what does the market, what would the market um mandate when it comes to obviously people are spending money to build these houses there's mm -hmm. mortgages involved there's loans and i mean there's like if you build a shoddy house it's going to fall over that's that's a bad idea for everybody right so i mean how much would you say the market sets these kind of regulations and how much is it the government needs to step in and say hey we need to have like i know the earthquake didn't a bunch of houses in eagle river like sink in or fall i mean some of the condos and that one house like split remember that house like was yeah two levels it was a one level and then it became like a two level Eagle River definitely got hit hard by the earthquake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And whether that was because the houses were built shoddy, there was definitely some examples of that. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it was as widespread as some people like to play it up to be. So what were some of the other uh, takeaways? I know this guy came from this, what's it called? Uh, he, uh, Strong Towns, Chuck Marone or Charles Marone. What's that term he... Uh, streets or uh, there's like some term he coined i was actually yeah interested to hear what happened on friday because mm -hmm. we had our state home builders board meeting that day so i wasn't able to attend yeah Th didn't he coin some term like a road and a strode oh yes yeah, yeah yeah it's like a whole term he <laughs> created a long time ago it sounds like a strange word but. yeah well and it's basically most of the major streets in anchorage so you think of a and c street where you know it feels like a highway i don't know the technical definition of strode but it's um you know, it's it's multiple lanes. You can go really fast, 45 miles an hour or more. Um, there may be sidewalks along it. Um, you know, God love you if you want to walk on those sidewalks because yeah. it doesn't feel safe. I was As I was driving over here, literally, I saw because the plowing still so fucked up, I saw a guy on um, Tudor and there was sidewalks weren't. So he was kind of like chucking along on the road mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. while cars were going 40, 50 miles an hour. Yeah. And dude had like trekking poles, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And it was light outside. Mm -hmm. This but is now a couple hours. Dark. Now it's yeah. dark. This is yeah. a couple hours. It's like yeah, a couple hours ago. I had yeah. that yeah when it was dark a couple of nights ago. A Not great. A strode. This is Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. It's a type of thoroughfare that is a mix between a street and a road. Common in the United States and Canada. Strodes are wide, non-highway arterials, often providing access to strip malls, drive-throughs, and other automobile-oriented businesses. Mm -hmm. This is this guy that who came here who like coined that term, and um, there was a picture where. I think Daniel Volan posted. You guys were out there on like uh, Gamble, mm -hmm. and the, the, his face—you could see his face. He was like, "Fuck, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, <laughs> yeah." 
And the sad thing is that's not uncommon in the U.S., especially uh, new cities like ours. We were built after the car was invented. And so everybody, you know, engineers, people building homes, all the all the folks who were, were involved in our city were thinking, um, how do we get people as fast as possible from one end of town to the other? You know, not so much, do you want to make this a nice place to walk? Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody who wants to walk across the street, do they have to take a whole half mile to get around? Um, so, yeah, it's really built for one use, and that's cars. I, mean, I think so much of our, of our city was, you know, really – Built out in the when this oil started, mm-hmm. right. you know, pipeline cap and money poured in. Mm-hmm. There was like Project Eighties. Mm-hmm. There was all these you know arenas, and there was these other pro, you know things that happened. And mm-hmm. I mean, I still I think we still see the I know we still see the effects of that. These mm-hmm. kind of you're talking about these like strip malls and these mm-hmm. thorough, thoroughfares, but there's like you know businesses all th- you on gamble. There's like car dealerships and restaurants and all this stuff. But I mean, you have to pull onto a road where people are going mm-hmm. you know forty miles an hour. Yeah. And, is, and most of our housing was built back then, too. So, I mean, that early 80s, you know, little garage, that certain type of siding on the front, you know, that's basically at least, I think, almost half of our housing uh, housing stock in, in Anchorage. So we talked about the kind of regulation, and, and I'll talk about zoning a little bit. Now, a few months ago, uh, Daniel Voland and mm-hmm. Kevin Cross mm-hmm. and I think Meg Zolotel, right, they proposed kind of like a – because we have a pretty complex zoning. We have like is it 10 categories or something of – we have many categories. I think of, it's even more than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 15 or 16. We yeah. have like a lot. So mm-hmm. they wanted to kind of go down to mm-hmm. a couple. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of funny because the people who lost their shit the most were the conservatives. Mm-hmm. It was Mike Picaro. Which is insane. Yeah. It was uh, Suzanne Downing started going after Kevin Cross. Mm-hmm. Like Mr. Conservative, you know, Eagle River <laughs> Conservative, they all supported. And it, it just, to me, if you're a conservative, you want like less government, right? Less regulation. You want, you know, more of the market. Mm-hmm. But, but what I've realized, and this, we can talk about, the bridge. Like, I don't know if you guys are pro. I'm very pro bridge, but it's the people. Pro bridge. Oh, I'm very yeah. pro bridge. Tenacarn <laughs> bridge. But it's the people who are like going to be somewhat affected. Mm-hmm. The politics don't matter. They just don't want things to change. Are you? Are you seeing that you're in the assembly? You go yeah. To the meetings. You people came and they were like losing their mind to try to make it simpler to build. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, yeah. It's interesting because you know I wouldn't describe myself as conservative, but I am sympathetic to the more libertarian idea of property rights. Let mm-hmm. people do not absolutely everything they want. You know, we don't want um, an industrial factory next to a house, right? But, um, but yeah, like, like the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, but we really um, we have a hard time, I guess, like not letting our neighbors do the same things that we would want to do on our property. So, I mean, so that's what zoning is, really. It's it's telling your neighbors what they're allowed to do or not well, do. We have a lot in the state of uh, I call it the I got mine crowd mm-hmm. which is like I got mine so we need to like keep it the way you know we need to stop because god forbid the prices are affected a little bit you know but I mean, what's average cost I don't now? think the price would be affected if somebody was to build like a fourplex I, a really nice fourplex next to a single family home I don't think that's just that there's no I don't think there's any but there's like to people support have that. that in their mind you right know? that's, that's like what like, the, people like to say um so so the average price of a home now in Anchorage is like last I checked four hundred and like sixty thousand. I think it's four seventy, yeah, four seventy four. I thought I heard. Mm-hmm. Which, which, which. Keep in mind that means mm. half the houses are more than that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I have my little condo. I've talked about this before with um, Kevin Cross and other people. I got it in twenty twelve. It was a HUD deal, and it was a little bit cheaper foreclosure, and it was as is. But it was like one fifty, you know, two two bedroom, two car garage kind of deal in a really nice area. You know, Fairweather uh, River Park. Back there, there's 116 I'm right. on the board, board, so I know mm-hmm. that. I don't know if you could build that kind of thing now today. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of development. It was it was Spinel built it back in the day, but my house now it's gone up like from when I bought it like 100 grand, and interest rates are like so. If somebody like me 
10 years ago when I was starting to work and had some money, it's really much more difficult mm-hmm. to, to buy, you know, especially with the rate. I got like three and a quarter. Yeah. Which have you seen that meme where it's like, <laughs> that's all the, the people in like the high court and like Europe and this whole picture of all these like princes and kings and they're all like smiling with all this money. And Where's your like, online guy that can just like, like pull we get, that out? Don't they have that on podcasts these days? They, <laughs> yeah, we need to graduate if, to YouTube. Yeah. If you're, Joe, if you're Joe Rogan, you have yeah. The, yeah. the guy. But it's this meme where it's all these like aristocrats partying and it's like all the people who locked in 2.7% mm-hmm. interest rates and, you know, during COVID. Totally. Yep. Because they've gone up like four, almost four times. I think it's 70 or 80% of the mortgages are under like 3.5% yeah. in the United States. And that's a huge disincentive to move. You know, maybe mm. you're thinking about, oh, I want to get a bigger house. I want to downsize, whatever it is. If you've got that sweet interest rate, you know, why would you move? Because <laughs> you may not be able to get as much house as you already have or um, just not affordable. Yeah. Your mortgage is the asset now. Yeah. No, I've thought yeah. about, you know, I, I have a two bedroom and I'd like to get a three or you know, a little bigger. Because you know, have guests, and you want to just you know get older, you want to have a little bigger place. But it's, um, I mean, there's the availability. So we have the pricing, right? The the pricing is one thing, but then right now, I mean, the the, the supply, right, is low of of availability for for houses that are for sale. I mean, you see one pop up once in a while, but I feel like it's. I mean, is it just me or is it a lot lower than it's historically been? I think builders across Anchorage are mm-hmm. down pretty substantially mm-hmm. in terms of like units, number of units getting built, and I would say talking to some other builders, their revenue is pretty much the same as it used to be. They're just building more expensive, fewer units. Now you told so, me, I think, and I looked this up, AHFC had a thing out, um, a report a few years ago, and I forget the exact numbers, but it was like so wild. It was like, we need to be building something like 20,000. I think it was 20,000, yeah, 25,000 housing units are needed across the state, like mm-hmm. right now. But in Anchorage, it was some big, but it was like, we're doing... It was like a fraction of that number mm-hmm. that they recommended we have to keep just keep up. Right. Yeah, I think we're building what four hundred units a year, and we're supposed to be building about eight hundred to meet that. I that think it's goal. E- yeah. I think that number is even higher than that. Like yeah. over a thousand for a city our size of mm-hmm. you know two hundred seventy three hundred thousand people. Like we should be building over a thousand units a, day, a year. And now we're losing people. People mm-hmm. leaving the state, and then a lot of people are going to the valley because mm-hmm. it's like it's cheaper. Build a house or buy a house. Obviously, there's a commute issue, mm-hmm. which which is good. Well, I think there it is important to, to look at kind of the trade offs of living in Anchorage versus the Valley. Because one, yeah, if you have a car, you have the time to commute, you have the money to pay for that gas. Then then maybe it is a decent trade off because you can get more house, um, you know, more yard, whatever it is. Um, but that's really hard if you're looking for a small place. If your car isn't that great, you know, you don't want to take it on the highway mm-hmm. two hours a day. So I think for a lot of people, that's not a realistic option. Um, mm-hmm. Or or it ends up costing a lot more, especially in your time. You know, you're just spending that much more time in the car. I mean, ideally, if you're, you know, you want to have a job out there. Mm-hmm. But, but there, I mean, there is a huge amount of commuting. I mean, this gets into another issue of like sales tax and how many people live in the valley and then come to Anchorage and mm-hmm. work in Anchorage and use the Anchorage roads and shop mm-hmm. in Anchorage because we have no sales, you know, mm-hmm. and then leave. Yeah, they say fifty thousand cars come down the the um, the highway every day. Yeah, I mean they aren't paying. Most of them aren't paying property tax, but they're they're here using our. So uh, let's cut property tax. I don't want to cut. No, I mean maybe. I mean <laughs> I, I'd love to pay less property tax, but I mean, at this point, I want to pay whatever I need to fucking pay to get the roads plowed. Right. Because I am like I'm not the only one. Believe no, you're you, not I'm the sure. only one. Yeah. How many emails have you gotten on the on the on the snow stuff? Uh, probably about at least twenty five um, since it all started, and that's you know that's just West Anchorage folks, so. Yeah, I mean, what have you ever since you've been in the assembly? Have you ever had of the things you've dealt with? I mean, did the zoning thing, housing, did that 
Did you get emails on that or? No, not that. I mean, we got a trickle, obviously, because that was, you know, that was over a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what I was seeing is people saying, I've literally never contacted government before and I am so mad. I can't get out of my driveway. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and not in a, um, in, not so much in an angry way, just kind of why is it like this, right? Just frustrated and, and feeling bad for people that take the bus. You know, like mm-hmm. there was a lot of just, well, everybody's hurting. <laughs> I looked into this a lot and I went back in the budget years and the state level and the muni. And I mean, the truth is when the price of oil went down, started going down in 2015, that started to trickle kind of, of of budget reductions. But you go back further, it's like we have less drivers now in the city than we did 20 years ago. How's that? You know, that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have more people. We have more roads. We have less drive. So and, and it's like now, now I'm here and they want to go to what's 84 hours. Is that when it snows, the roads are going to be cleared and they say 80. It used to be like 48 and now, now some people are saying 96. Mm-hmm. Or like, bigger than that, yeah. Like, like we were twice the city to host the Winter Olympics in 92 and 94. Anchorage was like America's pick <laughs> to, you know, I think we lost to like Lillenheimer one year, like, and then like somewhere in Norway and like Germany. So, I mean, if we were going to do that then, you'd, you'd, by all accounts, think like we have our shit together on the, I mean, how many people come for the Olympics? Tens of, you know, tens of thousands of people. And hopefully, if, if, even if we did get the Olympics someday, hopefully we would build stuff that we actually want to use, right? Not mm-hmm. all those kind of boondoggle stadiums that just sit empty for the rest of the time. And well, that's what the Chinese did in way. They built yeah. a bunch of stuff. They took that, they, they mm-hmm. built it like temporary. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of these places have, mm-hmm. you know, in Europe or all over, they have these like infrastructure that, you know, mm-hmm. was heavily used for a month. Yeah. And then kind of now it's like never used. But some places have talked about investing in train lines or, you know, stuff that, that has a short term use, but then can operate longer term. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, I, I don't understand why we don't, and I've people give me every time I have an idea, I'm, I'm an ideas man. I have an, mm-hmm. I'm an idea guy. I have a lot of ideas. I want to build a bridge. Why don't we have a train? We have a train going to the airport that nobody ever uses. It's a DOT hundred million dollar boon, you know, train, there's a terminal there, right? For the railroad. Don't they still use that? Like rarely. Just in the summer. They use the terminal like, for parties. Yeah. 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 They, they, <laughs> I mean, it is very nice. Yeah. I've literally gone there for yeah. like Christmas parties, yep. you know, it's yep. like, why are we, but why don't we have a train from the you know airport, bam, valley. Every day. Every day. I mean, a couple times a day, you know, or whatever. So, yeah. how, can we do that? I mean, wouldn't that be great? Yeah, I think um, it is tricky because we'd be using uh, freight lines, but we do have a train line that goes out there. I mean, I think public transit. The bottom line is it doesn't pay for itself, and so it always needs public subsidies. Okay. So we could have the tickets be. $50 a person, right? No one's going to ride that if every right. day for work. It's got to be convenient. Probably, like you probably, don't want to wait around probably for build an some hour. New tracks. You yeah. know, yeah. But like, I, I don't I, know. I just go to like, I go to all that you've been, you guys have been to these cities. I mean, every like big city, and obviously we're not a huge, but even cities our size, like there's a train, there's a, there, there's some kind of transit infrastructure where you can go to the town, downtown, or you can, I mean, here it's basically you park your car long term or you get a cab, which is, you know, fun, but it just, it seems like we should have a better, because wouldn't better transportation lead to more people wanting to live here? And yeah, you think a, so. Build a house think so. or buy a house? Yeah. yeah, and I'll say I love trains. I love living in cities with trains. I've lived in multiple cities. But I would also settle for a better bus system <laughs> right now, at least short term. It's already it's using the roads we already have. Mm-hmm. Um, we could even have dedicated bus lanes so that they don't get stuck behind traffic. Um, if we had more frequency, then more people would use it. You know, I live on a 15-minute line, so I use it. But um, it's was, a challenge. So yeah, we can talk about the bus I know it's kind of not housing specific, but it's related. Um, I've never taken the bus really. I mean, I've rode it a few times kind of as an experiment, but 
it's the bus system here is I, I would say not great compared to like other cities, right? Or big cities or I've been, I spent a lot of time in Europe. Oh man, it's great. Mm-hmm. Like even Russia is like not, you know, the most advanced, but they have like really good bus kind of mm-hmm. beautiful system. train lines. Oh, the, <laughs> the oh, Metro. Yeah. Met, you've been there? Uh, I haven't, but I've seen pictures. Oh, I've seen the dogs that ride it, the Metro. Oh, it's just the, the stations there are just incredible. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like going to like an art museum. But um, our our bus system here is just it's just doesn't seem to be the if you if you're living in a place like where I live I how to, much do we spend on the bus system in I'd Anchorage to, I'd have to look it up because um, actually a federal there's a lot of federal money that goes into transit mm-hmm. so we have matching funds we do collect um, fares okay um, but yeah a lot of it really is federally funded with a local match like where I live I'd have to walk pretty far mm-hmm. I'd have to walk probably half a mile. Maybe a little bit less, which isn't the worst thing for me. But but, <laughs> but, but right now, um, there's like issues with the sidewalks because mm-hmm. right. I'm on Sylvan off of Fairweather, so the Fairweather would be okay. But then the Sylvan, the maybe they've done the sidewalk since then. But so you take a little bit of a walk, and then I, maybe I should do that. Is like how long would it take me to get here? Because mm-hmm. I can drive here in about six minutes. But I'm I'm guessing the bus would probably take me an hour, forty five minutes. I bet. Yeah, and probably. Mostly because you'd have to make some kind of transfer. So it'll take you way out of your way, and then you'll have to get on a different one. And that that's part of the challenge. So I think we actually have a good bus system. They're clean. Um, they're mostly reliable, but they just don't run that often. And then unless you live right next to one of the stops or you're going downtown, then, like you said, it's pretty limited, and it takes you, like, five times as long to get somewhere. Do you have any information of, like, how many people use our buses? Maybe you don't know this, but compared to cities our size with – I mean, maybe the comparison would be like Europe, where I mean, it's crazy in Europe. I mean, you can I lived in Hong like, Kong for a summer, and it was unbelievable in, in, how good public transportation is. But Europe obviously, or, it's millions and millions of people there. But even in like Asia, towns in Asia, smaller or Europe, I mean, not even big town. There's like a really robust. I mean, I was mm-hmm. in Finland last year, and I took, I was staying a little bit outside of the city, and like the bus went like there's a bus stop, um, right next to the ho- like on the highway. And there was a bridge and there was like, it was, it was great. It was just, and you know, not, not with the app. You can pretty much, it shows roads, it shows bus, buses, it shows bike. It shows all these different ways of getting around. Mm-hmm. Do you want buses or do you want plowing? I want all of everything. <laughs> like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, all of the above. So we got to spend money. We got to spend it to make it happen. Yeah. That's really the only way. Same well, thing with, well, I don't want to say housing. You really need to spend money to create more housing, but just, Changing some regulations, creating some incentives for builders, owners, that sort of thing, it just takes money. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much of this right now, all the things we're talking about, just just boils down to people don't want to pay any more tax, so the budget doesn't really go up that, that much. I mean, I'm on my condo board. We don't have a huge budget. It's four hundred thousand dollars, so it's not nothing. And whoops, let me turn that down. And you know, we had to raise our dues last year, fifty two fifty to three hundred, and we explained why the costs were going up. Insurance costs, maintenance costs. This year, we're going to go up another twenty-five bucks because we want to keep the service the same. So we have to pay more. Yeah, I hate to like do that, but we're just you know that's how it works. But I think there's like such a mentality where if you raise taxes at all, then then it's like you're just giving the government more. You know, and yes, there's waste in government, but I mean, if all the costs are going up and we don't have any more revenue, <laughs> then then you it's it's a cut, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the realization our community is coming to, especially after seeing years of cuts. Because I think, like you said, you know, it started a while ago, and then you can, oh, we'll cut a couple positions that'll trim some fat, you know, and, and then it all adds up, and all of a sudden we don't have enough snowplow operators to get the level of service people want. So 
I think mm-hmm. it is. I think I think that has been the mentality. But I'm interested now, and in, because in, people are like you are saying, um, I literally don't mind being taxed more because I want a better level of service. So is that social contract mm-hmm. issue, right? Of like, I expect certain things from the city, and that's what I'm getting for my money, or I'm not getting for my money. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you remember? I took a picture a couple of years ago. It went like kind of like local viral. It was I happened to be on the park strip. There was a little event, like some food trucks, and I forget what it was. It was during the summer, but all the grass was dead. And I took a picture because I was so pissed off because it's like that's our kind of crown jewel, mm-hmm. the, the park strip. That's where so much happens. It's like the one thing we got. It's like that's great. And I, it was like many. I mean, I don't even know how many comments and shit. It was a lot, and people were just like. What in the fuck? Mm-hmm. How is it? I mean, you remember that? Mm-hmm. It was just oh yeah, like how- it was a dry yeah dry summer, and then we weren't out there watering enough, and yeah, grass died. Temporarily. So it's 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 just stuff like that that just makes people. I've been here twenty. I don't know how you guys lived there a long time, right? I guess I've been here twenty years, so I've remember seventeen, yeah, about twelve years. Yeah, so it, it seems like it was, to me a lot of this started about ten ten years ago, not you know when the pr- budget the price of oil crashed. Yeah, and then it was like because we, you know, we had before that the price of oil was really high, two thousand nine. You know, it was one hundred and fifty dollars. There was big capital budgets. There was huge revenue. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty much like there was a lot of money being thrown around. Yeah, well, and and thrown around. But then the question is, were we really investing it the way we should have been? Right. So there's there's that situation. But then even before that, having years of, um, you know, saying yeah, let's build some new stuff, um, and not so much let's maintain what we have, right? <laughs> like let's look at expanding these new roads or or expanding lanes. Not we're putting more money into snowplow operators for the lanes we have. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's that's kind of the slow burn issue, right? That we're starting to s- kind of see the consequences of um, that started a long time ago. It, you know, with with that rush to oh, we're going to fund the next big project or we're going to keep expanding out in all directions. Um, we're going to keep building on lower hillside, all those things, you know, those, those, there's trade-offs there, I guess. Well, speaking of hillside, the thing that I really worry about, and I think people are aware of, but maybe we don't worry about things till they happen is the fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there is a fucking fire, like a Lahaina type deal on the hillside, like, that's like lights out, mm-hmm. you know, there's not a lot of water up there. The trucks would have to go up there with water. And parts of the east side too, Stuckigan Heights. Yes. Yeah. Same issues. Eagle so, River. I mean, I was very happy. I had to like bitch because that's how you get things done in government. We had... Behind our where I live, there's the Greenbelt, and then there's the Campbell Creek Trail, which, by the way, now is filled with, like, homeless people and drug needles, which my neighbors don't want to, you know, that's another problem. But there was, like, all these spruce park beetle trees that were, like, really close to our 20 feet, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, for a while, the assembly, they I think it was some of the COVID money, they were going around. They finally came in, and they cut a bunch of those down, mm-hmm. which which is a totally good use of government, you know, resources to do that, because that would, that could be a, that's a major fire hazard, but... I mean, how how much are we dealing with this fire issue on the hillside or in East Anchorage? If there's ever, I just feel like people are kind of aware of it, but you know, I mean, some of the new developments that are getting approved <clears throat> have some sort of sprinkler requirement or have their own water system uh, with the development where they do have um, fire uh, hydrants and that sort of thing. So I think it's on a case by case basis. Some of them get approved without that. And some of them have that requirement. So I'm just thinking like a big dry, you know, like in 2019, remember that really dry, mm-hmm. hot, you know, and if there was like a blaze that got started, that, that happened, that actually happened over there, remember? And mm-hmm. they, they ran over, they were freaking out because mm-hmm. if this thing starts spreading and there's the winds going one way. Yeah, luckily they were able to contain it, but it was definitely touch and go there. Even last summer, I think there was some, there was a yeah, couple l- scares, yeah. We got a little bit lucky last, it was so, this summer, I guess mm-hmm. it was so rainy mm-hmm. that it, it made it but you remember 19 it was like 
those fires in the valley and Talkeetna and, and in the I mean, yeah, we too. Money to build roads for secondary access. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it comes down to money. What do you want to spend money on? I think we've been down to the state legislature multiple times asking money uh, for money for a road specifically. I've seen you down there. I like roads. Yeah. I'm all about I'm bridges you too. Know. Let's talk about the Kinnick Arm. You guys are you guys pro bridge here? <laughs> do, we, do we have a yes or no on the bridge? I I would love a bridge, but I don't know. It's been talked about for a very long time. Twenty years, and yeah, I. Uh, we fucked just up. If it happens, four, it happens. That'd be awesome. Four years ago, the, the, the estimate was a billion. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm quite sure it's probably doubled. Like everything I mean, else is gone. But the reality, bridge or no bridge, like there's still a bunch of stuff in Anchorage that needs to get fixed related to housing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I would say I'm like not, <laughs> I'm not pro bridge, um, partly because I wouldn't be a good Anchorage person if I wasn't advocating for Anchorage's interest, right? So mm. I'm not advocating for a whole bunch of folks to, to keep moving out of Anchorage, mm-hmm. right? Because that's our tax base. Um, but also, I, you know, my main question is who's putting in the water and sewer on the other side of that? Otherwise, all you're going to get is more large lot housing, right? And then you're going to have more commuters on that road. Um, granted, some of them won't be coming down the other side of the highway. Um, but I don't really see that as a realistic way to expand housing for the, the people who need it, which is really smaller units um, and mm. just closer together because you can't get transit service unless you've got a lot of folks living close together. I mean, I've seen estimates that have shown if the bridge got built, and, and it was developed out there, we'd, we'd probably lose thirty to 40,000 Anchorage people that, w- that would move out there eventually. But then, to me, that would free up housing here. So there'd be more, you know, I think it would equalize. I mean, maybe, maybe we need to go, you know, Vladimir Putin and annex that baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they would love that. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the Matsu folks would, yeah. would like that too much. Yeah. I mean, that's a Don't different conversation because yeah. then that's, that's the Anchorage tax base, right? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Because there's not a lot of people, I mean, there's some people out there now, but it's not, but, but to, to me, the biggest, one of the biggest reasons I'm for the bridge um, besides housing, is all the trucks from the port go through downtown Merrill Corridor around. They put wear on the roads. I mean, it's actually an emissions issue as well. I mean, that's what Don Young used to talk about. So if the bridge were to be built and it goes, you know, you shoot straight across and then you're over to uh, the Parks Highway because a lot of those trucks are going north. So there'd be that. And then there's just the kind of, and I understand the you know, people are worried about the losing property tax payers. But I, from my perspective, I just don't, we're not doing, we're not building enough. So maybe we need to tap, tap our valley friends because because <laughs> they are building, and and it would just also we just don't do anything anymore. Like what have we done in this state in the last decades? Well, we're working on a triplex fourplex thing yeah. in Anchorage here, yeah. which is very like, exciting. I'm talking it's about I'm exciting. talking about like the Parks Highway was in the 70s, mm-hmm. the pipeline mm-hmm. was in the 70s, um, Red Dog Mine was in the 80s. I mean, we also had Project 80s, the Sullivan Arena. The, so it it's again gets back to the kind of what are we willing to maintain long term? Um, so I think mm-hmm. it's, you know, the, the, it is exciting and it's fun to build new things. Um, and, and we were in a different place in the state, I think, because it was a young state. The pipeline was literally what most of the state's economy used to go through there and still pretty much does. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I think we're in a place where we're saying, like, where do we go from here? And I don't know if, at least for me personally, I don't see – another mega project being the answer to that. I think it really is more three and fourplex, letting more people build housing. What and about diversifying the-, the Anchorage economy. We had uh, Angela Rodell, Rydell, Rodell. Or the Performer Fund. We had her as a speaker at the state home builders dinner that we had, whatever, during housing week. And she threw out some numbers that just like blew me away in terms of per capita GDP in Alaska, right? 30, 40 years ago, you know, we were at 75,000 per capita in the state of Alaska. Lower 48 was like 20 or 30,000. Well, over the last 30 or 40 years, we've pretty much remained flat 
across the board, like well, in the what, state of Alaska, like we haven't been creating wealth that our our state could be creating. Where the lower forty eight, they're starting to catch up. You know, they're at like sixty five thousand, I think, per capita. And by the way, they're building they're building a lot more housing too. And they're building apartments yeah. everywhere. <laughs> but we're still so you know we're so live and die by the oil and gas that like we just don't have the opportunity well, to I've, expand or like the creativity. That's what I've talked about recently when, when I'm talking about the snow issue and like the the wages right for. The wages are so. I mean, the airport did raise wages thirty percent because they saw. Actually, I landed. I was flying back a couple of days ago. I saw the most beautiful sight. I saw like six. I was, we were getting on the runway. I saw. I was like, "What, what is it? What is what's flashing?" I saw six beautiful graders just lined up, and they were just. I'm like, "Man, the airport. They got their shit together." I mean, it was just. It was just so so nice to see. They them. have to. They have yeah. to because it's an economic. If they lose, mm-hmm. if they're down for a day, think about that. But we used to have the trade off. Alaska. It's cold. It's dark. It's kind of depressing for six months. But the wages were good, and the pensions were good, and like the, the the you know you can make money. We've that trade off is no longer here. I mean, for c- certain jobs, maybe in the oil sector, it's still there. But you know, for like public sector jobs, for 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 you know mm-hmm. operating and plowing, and for all these things, teachers, where it used to be a trade off. Like I said, you'd make more money. It was a little kind of shitty living up here in the winter, but we all do it. That trade that that trade off isn't here anymore, like it used to be. You you, you can make more money in private sector. Um, or in the lower 48 doing mm-hmm. a lot of these jobs. You know, I know there's a big fight in the legislature on pensions. I think we used to have very generous pensions, too generous. Now we've gone the other way where there's no pension for most of the state, you know, state and city workers. So I, I guess, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts about this trade-off that we used to have in the state? That's I think gone. Yeah. I mean, I think life was good back then. Right. And that's before I lived here. Um, but I think about, you know, Folks who are, like like you said before, if you, if it was yourself ten ten years ago, now would you be able to afford the house that you live in, um, and and would you be able to afford to save up enough to to move up and, and buy a house? It'd be and, hard. Yeah, no, and I think that's a challenge because I think there's so many young folks looking at um, job opportunities, and even if the wages are a little bit higher, if your housing cost is that much more, and then your healthcare cost. Cost you know cost of living across the board, then then you say why would I stay up here and, and deal with all these other issues when I could go live in a city, don't have to own a car, um, you know can go to cool concerts or all the kind of stuff that that we have less of up here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for that, it's like how, you know how do you convince somebody to start a life here, to start their adult life here? It's it's a hard it's a hard thing. Mm-hmm. What about the we're talking about projects? Is highway to highway, which I've heard a lot about over the years. I mean, this is not as big of a project. It's basically. You're familiar with this, I assume? The Not familiar. Are you fucking with me? Or? Highway to highway? Yeah. Oh. I, th- I thought you were fucking, you were fucking <laughs> with me. So basically it's connecting like the, the Glen and the sewer. It'd be kind of the Fairview type, right? It's mm-hmm. making it to where there's all less stops and the highways are connected. And, and this has been talked about for a long time. And it, I know like even Daniel Volan and some of these people I've talked to are for that. So is that going to, is that, I mean, I know it's probably more of a state thing, but the city would be involved too, wouldn't it? Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's funny because in a lot of other cities, they've moved the opposite direction of of this, which is um, recognizing that highways in the middle of cities are destructive. And historically they've been put in uh, low income neighborhoods. So Fairview, for example, historically black neighborhood, um, you know, it was an obvious thing at the time in the fifties. Oh yeah. Put it through there. It's going to impact the fewest number of people all of whom happen to be people of color, right? Um, and so that's the trade-off. And so now actually the federal government is trying to undo that. Um, there's this whole re- reconnecting communities idea, and it's it's recognizing in Chicago, in Anchorage, and all these places, um, urban highways, you know, for emissions, for property values. I mean, you look at Fairview, right? If you're trying to buy property, 
Um, Ingra and Gamble is probably the most affordable place between those two streets. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the worst place you can build because you're like, am I even going to have a property in five years? You know, why yeah. would I, why would someone like Eric build a building if the government's just going to take it away and put another highway there? So I think um, I think it's 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 efficient for trucks and it could get them off of some roads, but at what cost? And then the cost is usually those neighborhoods. Well, I've also heard about the idea of building you know a, a loop around Anchorage, like kind of on the east part, right? Where like an outer belt, an outer belt, yeah, yeah. Because we do have a problem where if you're you know trying to and this is this is another reason I'm, I'll go back to the bridge, but like I just me and a friend just bought some property out, great deal. <laughs> it was amazing. I can't believe we found it in Crooked Lake. <laughs> But it's out there near Big Lake. Right off the exit off the new bridge. Uh, that's not why I bought it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not selling yeah, yeah. right. That's not why I bought it. I'm not, yeah. That's not why I bought it, and I would never sell it. Yeah. But it's it's like when you ever go to the Big Lake or anywhere in the valley mm-hmm. in the summer, you've been out. I mean, that's crazy. The traffic. just like, Traffic get, was insane, yeah. You'll, you'll get to Wasilla well, in 40. Divided Highway is awesome. You'll get to Wasilla in 40 minutes, and then mm-hmm. it's like another 40 minutes. You know, once you get there in the traffic... And then you have now they're talking about doing some kind of upgrade to the roads to the uh, what's it called the inner not inner tie but there's a name for that where they want to build like another corridor road like an expressway or something like that yeah yeah I can't think of the name. On the name but that's something else they're looking at you know, doing but mm-hmm. I mean a lot of people are in like you know South Anchorage or Midtown and they're going you know on the Glen right if there was like a a loop there a, you know like they have these like the four you know these like circle mm-hmm. circular highways in the lower forty eight. I don't know. To, to me, that would reduce traffic by a considerable amount, I would, I would think. That'd dramatically change it. Yeah, that'd mm-hmm. be awesome for downtown. That'd be awesome for the city. Well, I will say on the west side, we kind of have that, and it's Minnesota Boulevard. I mean, if mm-hmm. you were driven mm-hmm. on it, it is the the sparsest highway I've ever seen. You know, given that it goes all the way through town, it's it's never full. I've never seen it backed up. Not like the Glen, for sure. And that's relatively new. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many years ago that was, but now you have that kind of O'Malley C Street that, you know, mm-hmm. you go around. That's And you're right. That's great. Mm-hmm. It's quick. I've, I've, you're right. I've never. I don't think I've ever seen it, other than big snowstorms. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always. It always moves. Mm-hmm. And you can get from. I mean, you can get from South Anchorage to Tudor on that loop very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. But if you go the other way down the, you know, Seward, and you get off, of, you know, in traffic time, it's gonna, it's gonna be, you know, considerably longer. Yeah. But I think again, that's the trade-off when you have highways in urban areas. Um, you know, is your goal only to move cars or only to move trucks? In which case, then you're going to build more more highways like Minnesota or like, um, you know, the Seward Highway, things like that. Um, but then the trade-off is you make it really hard to for folks to walk and bike. Um, you make it probably the, the property values less valuable. You know, no one wants to live right next to a highway. Um, and then you also don't necessarily get folks sticking around. You know, when it's easy to drive through your town, um, and that's this that's the issue with a lot of small towns that are on interstates down in the lower 48, is um, the interstate bypasses them, and so so did their whole little Main Street economy over time. You know, mm-hmm. that wasn't the only issue. But it's, it's it really comes back to your goals. Do you want to move cars as fast as you can um, and get folks out of your area, or do you want folks to stick around and spend money there um, or or live there, whatever it is? Well, I mean, we don't we don't have as much tra- like transit like mm-hmm. a lower like a or like I twenty five or I, one of these interstates where people are driving from like throughout states. I mean, people that are here are pretty much they might be going to the valley or something, but most people are in Anchorage or I'd say the vast vast majority of our traffic is people that. Mm-hmm. Live live pretty cl- live either in Anchorage or pretty close to Anchorage. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe somebody's coming from the Kenai once in a while or something, or Homer or Fairbanks, but that's pretty 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 small number. It's interesting though because I found I, I don't maybe this is true in other cities, but it's funny to me how many people either stay. Um, you know, like on the north part of town, I never go south of Tudor or vice versa. I never go north of Tudor uh, or I live on the east side. I always stick on the east side. I never go downtown. I never go to the mm-hmm. west side. And to me, I, 
the places that I've loved to live, I like different neighborhoods, you know, so I live in a neighborhood, but I want to go across town. I want to experience something else. And so it's always interesting to me that Anchorage doesn't have that, that culture. It's like people stick where they are or they get on, you know, the, the road and they go from downtown to, um, down by O'Malley yeah, and, just, and nothing in between. It's funny you said that because I just got back, I was visiting my parents in Albuquerque mm-hmm. and I have a lot of friends I went to high school with that still live there. And they live in a place called Rio Rancho, which is a little bit outside of it. It's kind of all connected, but it's a different city. And I was having lunch with a friend from high school, and she goes, meet me at this. And it's, it's really far away, but it's in Albuquerque. But you're right. There's a lot of kind of – I don't go to Eastside very much. Once in a while, but if I'm ever doing like a coffee or a lunch, it's always Midtown. Mm-hmm. I live in Midtown. Yeah. I come to here in my office I, if I have a reason to go out. But, yeah, I don't I don't go to Eastside too much. There's Ronnie's too, which mm-hmm. I like, yeah. but I don't. I just don't. And go the there. IMAX. I go to the IMAX. I go to the Cot- I go to the yeah. Cotton New. Yeah. I, there's a movie I, I like to go. I saw the um, uh, Oppenheimer there this nice. summer, which was which was great. Mm-hmm. But that's that's true. You're that's an interesting. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think mean, we kind of stick in our areas. Yeah. But other state, I think you're right. Other cities, it's more. Well, there's more to do. Mm-hmm. There's other maybe other reasons to if you're in like a big big city, right? There's like so many so many more kind of maybe cultural areas to go or restaurants. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask about downtown. What are we doing? Because like I said, I've been here 20 years and every mayor <laughs> ever since I've been here has said, we're going to revitalize downtown. Uh, it's not revitalized to me. It's it's probably worse than, than it used to be when I remember moving here. But downtown, it's like every city has a downtown. That's an important part of the city. And I feel like we could do so much more for housing and for if businesses and for vibrancy if we did something, Anna, go. <laughs> well, I think, um, well, one, I'll say, you know, Anchorage is not the only place that's experiencing this. So like I was just in Atlanta, Georgia, um, you know, great city, tons of activity, really great um, cultural um, stuff going on there. But also their hot. downtown. Yeah. No, it is hot for sure. Hot. It's hot the way that we're cold in the winter, right? <laughs> um, but but there's still a lot of empty storefronts. Like there's definitely after the pandemic. And, and really, I think a lot of it has to do with there's fewer people working downtown, office workers like me. Um, and so, you know, where do we go to lunch? Where do we go to coffee? Are we doing our shopping afterwards? Um, all of those things, you know, there's a whole economy around having workers there during the workday, especially. And then on top of that, you want your nightlife, you want your Willowaz and all those places that, you know, people younger than me go and, and hang out. Uh, not just younger than me, but. Um, <laughs> I was just talking about that. Like, I'll be 39 in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And I used to like love going to the club and, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to get like, yeah, I was, and no, 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 I was like, right there with you. I'm like, yeah. I'm like I want to watch Bill Maher or I want to watch a movie and go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'll still go out sometimes, but yeah. it's not like it used to, you know, where you're like aging mm-hmm. until 2 a.m. and then yeah. bar break. And then there's still ho- people out there that are like that, though, right? The 20, uh, 20 year old people, they still yeah. do that. Well, actually, yeah. you know, I think so. Younger yeah. people, <laughs> younger people are drinking way less. <laughs> right. The, the, the alcohol, I mean, I read an article about how so many bars are worried about mm-hmm. their business model because mm-hmm. it's, it's like, you know, you have younger generation, they go to the club, mm-hmm. they go to the bar. Now they smoke pot a lot more. That's mm-hmm. a lot more common or edible, whatever they're doing. And that's not really. I guess some of these shops have, you know, um, tasting rooms or whatever. They have rooms to, you know, get high. But this is like, this is a problem for, for the alcohol <laughs> industry and the bar owners. Yeah. Younger people are just not drinking. And if they do drink, it's a lot. Like when I was mm-hmm. in high school, we, you know, it was like go out to the party, you know, you rage and you're yeah, keg. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's just happening as much anymore. Yeah. No. So I think, I think bottom line, there's all these bigger kind of cultural, social, economic trends. I think in Anchorage, though, 
it's just really hard to start a business. So, you know, it's a risky thing, but if your rent is really high, especially if you've got a thing like a kitchen, um, you don't have that startup capital to start that business, then it's really hard to just jump in and take that risk. And so I'd love to see more like younger business owners downtown, revitalizing downtown, bringing in customers. Um, but I think that's, that's the challenge, right? Is it's just, um, the barriers to entry are super high, but I would be curious from Eric for downtown, like what would get, I know you're a home builder, but but mm. what would get more people to build downtown, do you think, or invest in downtown besides money? <laughs> yeah. I mean, land availability. Like, mm -hmm. I guess I wanted to hear from you what you <laughs> thought about, like, all the parking lots mm -hmm. we have downtown, you know? And Didn't what about, they, like... Did you guys pass something about that, like limiting the parking lot bullshit or... Yeah, so it so basically uh, parking requirements. So if you're building a building or re renovating a building, there's not a set number of parking spaces you need. But downtown, that was already true. There wasn't parking requirements of downtown. Mm -hmm. So you could put up a building with zero parking spaces. But also we have all these surface lots right. um, that most of which are owned by the private sector. Mm -hmm. um, one one family or <laughs> whoever yeah. it is, Diamond. Um <laughs> And so that's the challenge, right, is like people still own those lots. They're making money off of them. So how do you incentivize or convince them to sell them? And Just make it really expensive to yeah. own a parking lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah why, 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 <laughs> but we have so many parking lots down there. I don't, I, this might be not the most popular take, but why not take take a big part, like not the big part, but a, a part of the west west end of the park strip and put up some fucking condos or some apartment buildings over there? I mean, and I think, and it's like, yeah. no, no. Well, I mean, I think, I think the park strip, you'll probably have some opponents to that idea itself. But The, the, um, the far end. yeah. It's not a, that's I mean, not I've a, seen a lot of soccer games and festivals out there. I don't know. But um, but I think th to your point, though, there are definitely a lot of pieces of land that, you know, regardless of who owns them or what they're being used for now, that we could be building on. Um, and especially those parking like lots. Like I look at the, the sea galley, which I'm very upset that went away. I mean, mm -hmm. those have you ever had the Alaskan iced tea? Mm -mm. I've been there once, but I hadn't no. had that. Limit two per day. <laughs> yeah. Serious. Yeah. No, those were fucking. It was like. Long Island on steroids. Oh, wow. But, you know, that burned down. I don't know what happened, but it's gone. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, the first thing I thought was like, that's a great high-rise building for condos or apartment. I mean, you got the Alaska USA, fucking global. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm still mad about that. Yeah. I mean, the fact they didn't even tell us. They just did it over. To their credit, I mean, that that those signs were all like changed overnight. Yeah. I don't know how they did that. They must have had a big like lead up in, to that global. Anyways, there's that building over there, that big building. There's the ASRC building nearby, and there's the Hillcorp, those big, you know, oil, those other general properties buildings. I'm thinking, like, bam, that's a great place. I mean, people might work there. It's Midtown. It's Central. We're getting a fucking car wash. I mean, we have, like, 30 car washes in this town or more. But, you know, what? that's crazy to me. That's, that's ripe land <laughs> for housing. Mm -hmm. We're getting a car wash. I think it's – I think part of it is – the reality is that we rely on the private sector to build things. We can we can legislate, um, you know, what we want or don't want. Um, we can restrict it. We can incentivize it with money. But fundamentally, what's profitable gets built. And so I think what we're seeing is hotels are profitable. That car wash apparently is profitable, and there's apparently a need for more of them. Um, office building, you know, certain things are, and that's what gets built. And then, unfortunately, everything else doesn't, and that doesn't match our actual community need, which is housing. I will say, like, I feel like over the next five years, Anchorage is pretty well positioned to maybe take advantage of some of those lar larger, like, multifamily investors mm -hmm. to, like, bring them back here just because the lower 48 is so far overbuilt in terms of, like, multifamily housing. Like, they, they build thousands and thousands of units, and you look at the charts, and, like, rents are starting to go down there, and, like, 
we've never really done that here. We haven't built like a thousand multifamily units in a year in probably since, I don't know, maybe the 70s, 80s, something like that. So to bring those investors back, like that's what we need. And it's really, it'd be working with the city in terms of like, how can we create, you know, maybe like a nice neighborhood or ecosystem and like find some available parcels of land that are like right for redevelopment, mm-hmm. get the investors, see what we can give them for tax breaks. What kind of, what can we do for like rezoning to allow for like multi-use, you know, functions where they have retail, they have, you know, other opportunities to like put it all in that same place. Like well, I had that- Kevin, I had Kevin Cross in here a while back and we were talking about this issue with, you know, building. And then apparently according to him, as soon as you go to triplex or more, it just becomes very burdensome mm-hmm. and onerous Whereas if you could build a one house or a, you know a duplex or something, it's easier. But yeah, Anchorage that, regulates a triplex the same way that they regulate a hundred unit apartment building currently. And right now the plan and is and a Walmart, right? I mean, really large commercial yeah, buildings. Just it's it's crazy. Like it. What is that about? I mean, who 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 does that benefit? I'm trying to think. Who would that benefit? That would benefit. I guess that would benefit big builders, right? I think like, it benefits. Um, so I think, I mean, we look around this town, there's a lot of not great buildings, right, <laughs> that have been built, especially during the heyday of the pipeline or someone just, you know, threw something up before we even had buildings. And some codes. roofs collapsed last year. Somebody died, right? Some woman yeah. died and a roof collapsed. And yeah. Some, obviously, it was a lot of snow, but. So the reality is we have a lot of crappy building. And so I think when people look around and they hear apartments or they hear fourplex, what they're thinking of is the worst fourplex they've ever seen, right, in Anchorage, like the nightmare building. And I don't want to live next to the nightmare building, and no one does. But then what we've done is we've put in the code the idea that every building like that is a nightmare building, so we have to regulate the hell out of them, right? And then we have to basically make it more difficult to do that versus a single-family home, right, or a duplex, like as if those are inherently – like the you know better people live in those and worse people live in fourplexes mm-hmm. and I think so those are just kind of the assumptions I think that are built into the code um, and I don't think it's people saying you know I don't want renters near me or things like that but that's the effect that it has and there's so, probably some of that yeah I've heard no, some of that yeah I've heard people <clears throat> NIMBY type I don't know, I want yeah. these, these types in yeah. my neighborhood it's like well, fuck you you know like right but it's these but assumptions, I think looking back on yeah. like why we are where we are I don't think it was that at all. I just think somebody decided to draw the line at between tri- duplex and triplex and not really forward thinking enough to see like how this is going to impact Anchorage development over the next 20 years. And that's why we are where we are. So you, you're talking about the next five years. I mean, I, I guess, Anna, what's your five, 10 year outlook? I don't have a positive one. I'm pretty pessimistic. I hope it gets better, but it just strikes me as the state's like stuck in neutral. Almost rolling, we're on a hill stuck, so we're going backwards. Yeah, no, I can see why folks feel that way. Um, I, I guess I would. I'm learning to be a politician, so I would not be a good politician if I wasn't optimistic, right? <laughs> yeah, um, no, you, you have but, to. You have to say like, yeah, we're, we're going to be yeah. doing great and fine. Yeah. yeah, but I genuinely do. I mean, I think we have huge problems, and I think actually we're at the point that people are so kind of tired of being stuck in this stagnation, right? And saying like, what we're doing now isn't working. And so I think they're more open to change. And I think, especially with the folks on the assembly and a lot of alignment across the community, um, I really do think we have a great opportunity to do things like changing our zoning code um, to relaxing um, those issues around things like try and fourplex, Mm -hmm. because I think all of those things will let more people like Eric and others do what you guys have been trying to do, right? Mm. Against all odds and, and make it easier. I, mean, I just I just think about the, it took forever. And and you remember that gaudy monstrosity of that Northern Lights Hotel? Mm-hmm. Fuck, it took like 10, 20, I don't know how long it took to, to tear it down. And well, it, and it, it took a million dollars. I mean, so who's going to put a million dollars on the table just to get rid of a building? And then, but, and then nothing's 
been put there. Ever, it's like that's a probably the best piece of maybe the, one of the best pieces of property in Anchorage. Mm-hmm. But it took us what a decade or more to tear that thing. I used to drive by that thing every fucking day, and I just remember staring at it. How ugly it is! It's, like, it's just an eyesore and unsafe. I mean, and people were going inside there. Yeah. Homeless people right. were camping in there. There was like rebar, and there was I mean, there was a fence around. People were sneaking in the fence, and I mean, it's it's it's. We finally get it tear, torn down. It was expensive. Was it the Wings or Fangs or did they? Yeah, the they Fang that? family yeah, Fang, Fang, investments. Yeah. yeah. And they got a lot of stuff. <laughs> they had the Fourth Avenue Theater too, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think they're one. Um, you know, some people come into communities and they're just trying to flip investments, right? They buy a house, they fix it up, and they're out. I think other um, other developers, and I, at least this is my experience with the Fang family, is they're looking long term. You know, they're thinking we have, we have an asset that we want to keep long term. We want to invest in it. Mm-hmm. We want to make a long term investment in Alaska. Did they build that big one there? Two eleven, the two eleven, or that big fancy building in the middle of? Downtown New York Life, or is that, is that them? You know, what I'm talking about that. That super nice, big, tall. Is it? Um, so there's 188 Northern 188, Lights. Yeah, 188. Yeah, yeah. at C and um, Northern Lights. Yeah, that was their building. I've always wondered about or is that. Is their building? Yeah. I've heard this, and I don't really know, but it seemed like, and I think it's still the case where they've had a hard time filling that thing up with with maybe it's more now, but the rents were kind of expensive. So, to me, I'm kind of wondering like, wow, they spent a lot of money to build this very beautiful building. And it wasn't, you know, full. Well, that's, I mean, that's the hard thing with development is there's just a lot of uncertainty. I can't speak to that particular building, but, um, but yeah, you build something and you hope that you can sell it, right? You hope that you've done your math, right? Um, you've hoped that you've. You hope that the market remains the same long enough for you to finish a project here in Anchorage. (laughs) That's how we You buy one and then you have to go through two years of, you know, planning and zoning meetings and appeals and all Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. And. Yeah, that's a real challenge for any well, development. Speaking of the market, that's how we got yeah. in this. But we got lucky. My friend Bryce and Noel bought. They have the building next door, the Alaska Fast Cash. Which, by the way, I was just in a commercial for them. I was saying I was going to ask you. I ever go over there? You guys see? I I did that for, for people are like, I hope they paid you a lot. I was like, I did it for free. I just yeah. like helped my friends out. Yeah. But they bought this building too, and it was mm-hmm. really you know dilapidated. They had to, you know redo it. They bought it. They closed in January of 2020, and I think they had big mm-hmm. plans to make this kind of super high end commercial but then the covid just you know should happen mm-hmm. and commercial went rents went way down they've kind of stayed down because people can work from home now so we ended up getting a really good deal the studios downstairs you guys have both been in i think you've both been mm-hmm. in the stu- yeah, studio yeah. and then we have this upstairs too but um you're right yeah things can change like big time yep you know up or down but if it's down and you invest a ton of money and it takes two years like you're talking about um it's, yeah you know, i mean nobody even had the thought that you know interest rates were going to be at whatever seven percent Mm-hmm. What about 18 months ago? What about, like, and I've heard this being talked about in the assembly a little bit and from people, you know, so many parts of Europe and other parts of the world, you have the kind of the first level is the businesses and then you have the apartments or the condos. We don't have a ton of that here. To me, that downtown seems like mm-hmm. that seems like a great idea. Well, we actually used to have that. If you look, especially Fourth Avenue, you look above a lot of those buildings um, and it literally is um, retail on the ground floor or offices mm-hmm. or whatever, and then apartments upstairs. Um, so yeah, I think people think of that as a new, new thing. It's called mixed use is what you're thinking yeah. of. Um, but it's really the old way of building cities, right? Like if you medieval cities, I mean, you'd have your, your bakery on the first floor and they live upstairs. Um, I'm talking I, like 20, 30 story. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Know, yeah. Like the bigger big, scale, bigger buildings where you have, you know, restaurant or store or coffee, whatever, mm-hmm. like I don't know, parts of, friend of mine was living in the woodlands mm-hmm. in Houston for oil and gas. And mm-hmm. obviously it's pretty kind of well-off area and oil, oil and gas people. But man, they had this building they lived in. It was maybe 10, 
stories or maybe 15 stories, but they had like a Whole Foods there and a rest and they had like a coffee shop and a, it was all like a little river and it was just all there's a little shop to rent like a boat or a canoe and it was just all right there. What I think that's that's kind of an exciting trend to think about for downtowns is um, is uh, office to residential conversions, you know, so as we need less uh, and this is happening like in um downtown Manhattan, you know, that used to be the financial center. Now that's not really the the financial hub, at least not with people in offices. And so they're converting more to nonprofit spaces or residences. And so I think that's, again, um, you know, the buildings that we have, hopefully they stick around for a long time, but the uses in them can change. And so I think that's, I know there's a lot of like regulatory barriers to doing that, that change of use. Um, I know the assemblies looked at it before, um, but things like that, I think that's how you get folks downtown. And the, the more we can use buildings that we already have for something else, I think there's a great opportunity there. Yeah, I think just within Anchorage, being able to like improve the process enough where it's affordable for developers to do things like that, where they're not spending, you know, three, four, five million dollars on a building and then still having to wait two years before they can even swing a hammer well, and, and like start, you know, renovating those spaces. And, 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 and even below that, I'm looking at this Holton Hill situation with mm -hmm. Connie Yoshimara that, you know, bid a project, did the, you know, with the, um, Heritage Land Bank, got the RFP, put the money in, did the time, all these things. And and then all of a sudden, a couple of radical nuts can go manipulate the community council process. Paxson did a great article on this Holton Hills mm -hmm. debacle and basically lied to a lot of people about what was going to happen. And, you know, Girdwood's a place where housing is maybe the worst problem, maybe in the state. Mm -hmm. um, and it just got like, I mean, she put all this money and time and it got just stopped. Yep. Now, hopefully I'm hearing it might, you know, <laughs> come back in some form, but you know, if you're like living in Gerd, that's a real extreme example of the I got mine. Mm -hmm. You know, these people have these like, one of the guys, I forget his name, he had like multiple rental units and a, like very living in a very nice house and he's well, good. You know, he's good. And I think it got complicated too because there's a lot of folks down there who had maybe concerns about that project and what we're saying, I want affordable housing. You know, it wasn't so much the I got mine attitude. And I, I mean, I understand like all of that got twisted together and it was hard to see, you know, what was true or not true in that whole process. Um, so, so the assembly's working on a housing strategic plan. It'll be on our agenda um, the next meeting on the 19th. One of the goals or one of the set of strategies in the plan is make the city a better partner uh, in development. And that's that's what that's all about. You know, part of it is the rules that we put on folks, mm -hmm. that it takes two years to get through planning and zoning. You know, that is not a normal experience in most cities. Um, and then also just the fact that, that you do all that stuff and then all of a sudden you're at the assembly and then a few neighbors show up and can cut your project in half, right? Like what other business do we come in and say, oh, we're going to totally change your business plan you have to make half the revenue you were going to make um, mm -hmm. and then we all vote on it. Right. And so that's, that's fundamentally not fair and it's not the way to be a good uh, partner in development. Maybe we need a housing czar. There's an idea. It's been talked about. I just made that up, but that's like a great, I mean, I'm <laughs> serious. Yeah. We need a housing czar. I just talking to it. Somebody had just mentioned that. Yeah. Possibly was, Bill Taylor. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Yeah. I, I, I just finished reading this book. Actually, here it is. It's uh, by David Bernhardt, the former, Hmm. interior secretary uh, under one of Trump's interior secretaries. And he was talking about this term czar and obviously the Russian, you know, czars. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it was, I, I highlighted the page, but I think it was Wils, Woodrow Wills. It was somebody had like put somebody in some position to do that. And they called him a czar. I have to look it up who it was, but it's the term stuck. Mm -hmm. It's really funny. You know, it's just like, it's kind of bizarre. You know, you have like the drug czar, the, you know, whatever czar, but, but it, it's, it's, it's a great, I like that term a lot. We, we need a housing zone. It would be nice to have one. Yeah. Because yeah. there, are, there is so many little things in this city that just drive up the cost of housing unnecessarily from my perspective. 
And if we could have, yeah, some, somebody that spearheads all those little things, it'd be awesome. And who could really kind of speak to different departments too. Cause often mm-hmm. what I've heard the issue is, you know, you go to department A, you get your answer, you go through your permitting stuff and then you go to department B, they might give you a different answer or they might say, Hey, I know you got the, all these things figured out, but here's this other set of things. And so I think having somebody who understands how the pieces connect together um, you know, whether it's a planner or someone like that, the housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, it advocate. all boils down to ultimately the mayor in this mm-hmm. case and, and putting people in charge of the departments that are, you know, on board with, and that's what this book's about. It's about mm-hmm. the federal level, but, you know, the, historically the Congress has ceded a lot of power to these agencies and there's, you know, 2 million civil servants and about 4,000 politically, political appointees. So the, the bureaucrat, the, the, the um, civil servants or the people that are the permanent, kind of, they become very, very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you know, it takes, it's difficult, but, you know, it, it, takes person putting people in, in place that have, you know, carry out the agenda of, hey, we're going to make these things better, more efficient. It's not easy, but in a city, I think it's a lot easier than the federal level where you can put people in charge and say, you know, on the other side, I've heard the pushback. I've heard of people getting in these positions. I heard years ago, I used to work in IT and somebody was made the CIO and they were told by what they were trying to streamline some stuff. And a few months, you know, nothing was happening. And it was like, there was a meeting and there was another meeting and it was like, what the fuck? And somebody told the guy, look, you know, I'll be honest, you're not going to be here in three years. So yeah. <laughs> fuck it. You know, we're not doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, that's crazy. You, you have to have people that are serious about, first of all, a mayor that's serious about it. And then putting people in place that can carry these things out, you know, which is not the easiest thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And I think that's something that we've, um, that Anchorage has struggled with over multiple administrations is, um, you know, we've got folk. One, and I'm sympathetic to the folks who are on the ground. You know, doing the permit review, they're not empowered to just say, "Oh yeah, I can, I can sign off on this," or "I can, I can give you this waiver." Right? Their their job is to look at the list and did you meet the list or not? Um, and it, you know, there's different interpretations of what that looks like. Right. But there's no one above them to say. Um, you know, to work with the developer or to speak with multiple departments, you know, and, and really negotiate that. Get to yes, basically. Yeah. Well, I think people are worried about fucking up and doing mm-hmm. something wrong. And exactly. Then yeah. They get in trouble. Or then you have the other one where you have the Ron Thompson who developed the whole thing and then went to the private and then goes back. Mm-hmm. You know, remember that? I yeah. An article well, yeah. About, I mean, it's like. And then people want him out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, he, he like designed the system, goes in the private sector, then he goes back. And then, I mean, I kind of respect that he knows what to do and he can navigate it. But then he has his like daughter taking over his business and their meeting. And I mean, this is like, I mean, this is like the, Russian level. You know, I have the a resource that he partner. provides to this city it's is good. unbelievable. It's, he, he did like this, he did. I will not sit down at the municipality for three hours just to get a permit. Like that. It's insane. He did this. It is he, so he, backwards he, down there. These like, guys hired him to do a even, bunch of stuff and he's great. He's great at it. He's yeah. But, but I just worry about, People going from the public sector to the private, the open, the revolving door of like. <laughs> but the fact point, that he's so successful forth. shows you how screwed up the city is in yeah. terms of like permitting he, and development. Because he knows the, he built it and he knows the system very, very, very well. And it, it just it shouldn't be like I wouldn't say he yeah built the system, but like just the the, the processes the, the, the that are in place building, and like the people that are in place that are yeah unwilling. The current to building. I mean, he was there for a long time. Get to yes, but yeah. but it, it just these things shouldn't be at the whim of like some person. Who like it's like when you if you're a foreigner and you apply, but you for can't a, have a code book that's you know ten thousand pages long. You can't write everything down. Like it's construction, that, you know. There's some ambiguity in it. There has to be some leeway. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. It should be common sense. I mean, people, <laughs> pe- 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 people who uh, want to get a visa to this country, you know, it's mm-hmm. like it's pretty much like when they go to the embassy somewhere. It's kind of like the whims of like the mm-hmm. immigrate the the foreign service officer or the immigration agent you you, you meet. If they're having a bad day. They might just say, fuck. I mean, right. there should be some like, hey, here's the level. Here's what we have to do. Let's make it simple enough. You don't want to, you know, 
cheap. And that's, that's the way it should work. There should be some flexibility to get to Eric's point of like, mm. you know, that this property, you have to get a waiver of some kind, or there's some situation where you can't just apply like the default rule. But at the same time, you want people to feel trust in government and you want them to feel like there's consistency and fairness, right? Because what you're talking about is unfair. It's like if I, um, if did I pay somebody extra to, to, get this done faster or, um, you know, n- not like a bribe. I just mean like yeah, if, yeah. if I don't have a consultant that's with me who knows what they're doing and knows mm-hmm. the system, then am I going to get through? And is that fair to the homeowner who just literally wants to build a duplex? Yeah. So that that's really what I'm worried about is like the, the, the people who have the time and the resources to go through this process, like because it is their full-time business, you know, it's unfortunate that we make them spend so much time doing that. But then you also have all the folks who are just regular people that want to build something, and then they're totally discouraged. They're not going to hire a lawyer or a consultant for $50,000, right? I mean, like right now, this is a very you know, kind of basic example of this. We, me and my buddy bought this property. Uh, and no, there's nothing there, no, no building, nothing. There's some electrical nearby. I'm reaching out. I talked to my friend, MEA. You have to like do a thing, and there's a build-out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this shit, I don't know anything about this stuff. It's like hard. I'm trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I'm learning a little bit. You, know, you have to do a plan. You have to extend the you know deal and where is it going to go? And is it going to be above ground or below ground? And yeah, how much is that going to cost? And the and the and the um, pedestal and these things. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like on the website. I'm like, God damn it, what? Do, I don't even know how to do any of this. So it's hard. So I mean, you know, if if I I'm having luckily, I talked to my buddy Chris Tuck, who's an electrician, and I asked him some questions, and he's going to help me out. But I mean, that's an example of it, it's probably easier doing that than building way easier than building a house or something. But man, it's like frustrating mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, nerve wracking when you have no idea. And I've heard of people going to the building office that aren't builders and it's like, they have, you know, they're told this, this, and, this, and they turn something in and it's like, well, oh, you got to do this and this and this. And then they have to do, you know, it takes longer and longer, but then other people that know the system because they're builders, they've been doing it a long time. They know, they know the person, they can talk to them. They have mm-hmm. the thing figured out. It's maybe a little easier. Is that, I mean, is that accurate? I guess it just depends on what you're doing. You know, it's, yeah, you, we, I've had things come up where you submit plans for development or something like that. And then you, they call out something that they haven't previously called out. And then you're kind of back to the drawing board a little bit, but there's, there's always those things. And that's why, yeah. Having people like Ron that's down there or Mm -hmm. not, he's not technically down there, but like somebody that's there that knows the people that can ask the questions and like, get the straight answers right away. I have a friend who built a house on the hillside and got the property, got the plant, you know, did all these things, was being built. And then at some point, the city, I think it was a city, said, you have to build uh, a dry, a road, like a driveway and a road, you know, mm-hmm. which would have cost like, I'm not fucking around, like a half a million dollars. It was like mm-hmm. as much as the house mm-hmm. or, or close. And he's like, what? And then the neighbor didn't have that. Mm-hmm. Same house, same, you know, type property deal. And he's trying to figure it out, and he, he like he's like freaking out because this is all of a sudden a big bur- like makes it impossible to do the project. And it turns out the neighbor is a you know pretty wealthy connected guy. And you know what the city told him? Well, that was an oversight. Yeah. I mean, so so I had to get involved, and, and basically, and this is concerning that it's like this. I had to get involved and start asking questions and inquiring with uh, people in the city about the. All of a sudden, that went away. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not how it should be. Right. You know. It's crazy to me. It's the life we live. Yeah. <laughs> okay, last thing I want to talk about, um, we don't get to talk about very long, but all these things we just talked about all, all last hour, the homelessness problem, which we're all very aware of, that impacts all of these things. You know, where you are, where you want to live, you know, how you want to 
go downtown. Or I just saw a guy over here. I was a couple, three or four hours ago. He was out there in the parking lot screaming and yelling at himself, hitting himself. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. scary. Um, and I've done a lot of work on this. So we've gone to these, you know, homeless camps. I stayed in the Sullivan Arena. I tried to stay in the Third Avenue, but I was someone threatened to kill me. Mm-hmm. Big long barrel screwdriver. They thought I was a cop. <laughs> Do I look like a cop? Yeah. <laughs> Not like a cop, but they thought I was a cop. Um, but you know, this is—I I understand it's multifaceted, and there's a lot of drug addiction, alcoholism, mental health. But we're going into winter; it's winter now, and we've had I think 50 deaths, which I think is a lot. I don't know what that compares to other places, but that seems to be a lot of people dying and just being outside. Yeah, well, and it's an increase over what this community has seen in past years too. So I, you know, it's been this—we talked about this. I feel like I've been talking about this for many years, but. You're in the assembly. You're new to the assembly, but what, what do you what do you think about this issue and how we can get, improve it? Um, I mean, I think sh- I guess what I've told many folks is two things are true. One is that we're doing more than we ever have. So we have more housing units online, uh, more programs that help families, especially. Um, you know, let's say you get divorced, you can't afford to security deposits. So you know, situations like that where you just need that short term help so that you don't fall all the way down off the ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, So I think we're doing more and also the problem is getting worse. So not only are we seeing more folks getting evicted because of the cost of housing, and a lot of that is, um, you know, again, people who maybe have jobs or or who otherwise would be able to to sustain themselves, um, but they can't afford rent and you can't pay half your rent. So that's kind of one big set of problems. And then also we have this persistent issue where we've disinvested in behavioral health services. Um, We don't have those options to support folks who, um, I don't want to say who can't take care of themselves, but when you've been out on the street for 20 years, um, you know, you start using substances to to just cope with your everyday existence. You can't think past the next hour, right? You can't think about tomorrow. And so bringing those folks back and saying, no, like we can help you. There is a future for you. You know, maybe you need to be on meds, whatever it is. Um, we have not invested in that as a state or as a city. And so well, I, I would say you're totally right. And, and I, you know, there's a really good book I read here, San Francisco, which by Michael Schellenberger, which deals with this issue. But right now, if you're like a drug addict or, or an alcoholic or mentally ill, and you decide like you have that moment where I want help, not a lot of options not for help. There, yeah. and, and to me, this mm-hmm. is like this, my ideal solution is, you got to be tough but compassionate, and you want to, you know, help people, and and give them incentive to help themselves, and have those there. And then if they don't choose to want the help, then they also can't be, you know, intruding on society. But but yeah, right now we don't have we don't if you're if you're really unless you have money or family with money can put you in treatment or you know take you to like a private place. I mean, there's just not. Pro, see, um, API used to have like hundreds of beds in the '90s, mm-hmm. like two hundred beds or something. Now we have it's like dozens. You know, there's just not a lot. So you're right about that. And the other thing I was going to say, you mentioned that the, I remember when I was younger and renting, it was like first month's rent, last month's rent deposit, which I remember when I was first, I was 19, we we're trying to find a place. I was like, oh my God, mm-hmm. I had a roommate. We were like scrounging money. That, 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 if you're down and out and you're not technically homeless, but you're going to be, and you, you're looking for, I mean, think about it. It's, you're looking at probably minimum five grand mm-hmm. to get into a place. And it, 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 at that point, I think there's always a, a reason the government should be trying to short term if there's because it's like once you become really homeless, whether you're on the street or whether you're staying at somebody's, you know, then then you're really stuck. And it feels it feels hopeless because I've been there when I was younger and you don't have a lot of money. You're making very little money mm-hmm. and you're trying to think about like it's not even fathomable how you can get the money to get into a, and then furniture mm-hmm. sometimes or other things, you know, and utility. It's tough out there for people that, you know, aren't making a lot of money. Yeah. Or, or don't have, you know, mommy and daddy paying for all their stuff. 
And I think that's where the hotel conversions that we've been investing in that um, the it was it Alaska Housing or sorry, Alaska Affordable Housing and Land Trust, um, the Barrett Inn, the former Lakeshore Inn. I think those are a really great model that I hope we can expand because it's it's folks paying rent. Some of them have vouchers. Right. Um, but but fundamentally, they're paying for at least part of their housing. Um, and then it's just a small unit. You know, it's just a hotel room, basically, because um, they're, you know, even trying to get a space this big. This isn't a huge space, but trying to pay for rent on this per square foot is not cheap. Right. So, so the more that we have these small units, um, using hotels, they've already got, you know, beds and sinks. Um, and there's a lot of kind of aging hotels that, that aren't, you know, aren't top of the top of the line anymore. Um, that's a great way way to have housing for folks. It's Mm. wild to me how many hotels we, I mean, how many hotels have been built in the last five years? I mean, have you noticed just how many hotels keep popping up and they're all full. Mm -hmm. It's It's like, it's like, yeah, I don't know if just three or four months of demand in the summer make it, worth building a hotel, but there's like, especially in Midtown, C Street, that whole mm-hmm. area, there's like these big chain deals that have popped up, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know, there just seem to be. Well, there's trends too, you know, there's more like kind of hotel suites, you know, um, longer term stays, or just having multiple rooms, more families, so some of these older places that are just little hotel rooms, I know you complain about the Driftwood a lot down in Juneau, but you know, uh, that, I that's... I used to love the Driftwood, <laughs> Yeah. let me just say, uh, the new owner is Clinton Haida, um, I'm not staying at the Driftwood this year, I'm luckily found another place to stay, but if you're going to Juneau, folks... This is me talking. Do not stay the Driftwood. It has <laughs> been ruined by by a really horrible entity. Um, I used to love the Driftwood. Big fan of the Driftwood until they ruined it and kicked all of us out and were fucking with us. But I'm glad you brought that up. So do not stay the Driftwood if you're listening to the podcast. That's Jeff Landfield talking. Okay. Yeah, that is not Anna Brawley talking. <laughs> but the point no is, you know, answer. places like that, you know, that is where people would live short term, you know, because you don't need that security deposit. Like that is a valid part of our housing system is but, these but, small but, but that's hotels. not the long, I mean, you want to yeah. help people get to a, and, and this is some of the criticism I've had for some of this kind of housing first or harm reduction. You cannot put a mentally ill or drug addicted or alcoholic person into a place and say like, good luck. You have to, you know, encourage people to make good decisions and, you know, not use drugs and not drink. And, and if you're mentally ill, get on some kind of, you know, medicine or some meds to help you. But what I think it is important to note even with housing first, it's not housing only, right? So there's a lot of programs like that. And and the challenge really is not getting the services. Like we have folks providing those services. It's keeping the housing and having affordable housing, having the unit. You know, there's folks that are holding housing vouchers that can't find a housing unit. So a lot of it does come back to supply. Mm-hmm. But I agree. It's not that we're not just putting folks in there and saying, good luck. Um, it really is a whole program and it's really connecting folks. Because really what happens, even if you go through treatment, if you go through an eight hour a day counseling program, where do you go at night? You know, that's, that's really the issue. Well, this is what happens with uh, when I've gone into these camps and mm-hmm. I've actually talked to people in some of these camps and even in that third Avenue deal where I tried to go who, who actually have a place, but their friends are there. That's where their kind of community is. And, and it's not the best situation because there's alcohol, there's drugs and you know, it's just that, that that's another issue that, that, you know, people are out there for so long or that's kind of their community. And then they go out there with their buddies and they're drinking or whatever they're doing. And then, you know, it just, it's, it's like regressive mm-hmm. and, it's regressive, but also I think it is important to remember, like, everybody needs that community, right? So yeah, yeah. so maybe they're finding it in places that are not helpful, you know, that, that's harming them and ho- harming others. But um, but that's really what people want. And so that's the other thing, too, is, you know, we think about housing as units and doors and things like that. But it really is the whole community. And it's how to help people get to know their neighbors or um, have a place where they feel safe and get to know folks around them. Eric, when you're building places, do you ever, I, I, I'm guessing you look at, 
Are you looking at like the homeless problem in areas you're building or I mean, I'm sure you're already aware of it or is that not something you really? Not typically. I mean, it's really up to the client, right? And I'll build what the client wants, where the client wants. And that's what it you're comes not, down. You're not, if, you're... They're, if they're interested in, you know, a place downtown or midtown and they know about the uh, homelessness problem, like everybody's very aware of I it, guess I would say. You're so, not doing like bigger, like larger. I'm not doing any, yeah, like 100 unit apartment okay. complexes or anything like that. When was the last time? Because the one I live in, it was Pinnell and it was between 2000 and 2007. It was 116 units. units. Yeah, total. But it's like townhome three. style like, units, Yeah, two right? bedroom. There's, there's a combination of two bedrooms and three bedrooms. Some are two building. Some are two units in a building. Some are three mm-hmm. units in a building. Some are four units in a building. Okay. But I'm just wondering, could we, could somebody build that in Anchorage today? That situation. <sighs> it's hard to say. I mean, I think what we got to get good at here in Anchorage is just utilizing the land that we have more effectively, you know, being able to take a 6,000 square foot lot or 10,000 square foot lot instead of building one unit on it, being able to build four units on it, mm-hmm. you know, and to Anna's point about being able to have these, you know, units that you can rent out for 800, 900, $1,000 a month, you know, we haven't been building stuff like that in Anchorage for a long time. So being able to actually do that and make it more cost effective for us builders to uh, build those buildings, I think would go a long ways. And it's not going to be immediate, obviously. It's going to take five years, 10 years for these housing units to really um, make a major impact, but we got to start somewhere. Do we have a, I've heard people do this. I don't know how much of a a problem it is, but the short term rental Airbnb, I mean, I know people are doing that. Do we, I don't think we have any really laws about that, do we, or any regulations on that? No, I mean, what we have right now is they're treated um, as bed tax. So if you rent through Airbnb, for example, they're collecting the bed tax from whoever you're renting to. But beyond that, we don't treat them differently. Um, So there is an ordinance before the assembly. It'll come back in January. Um, It's sponsored by uh, Randy Salt and Meg Zalatel to regulate short-term rentals. And it wouldn't uh, regulate the number, but it says you have to register with the city. There's a license, there's a fee, and then there's some rules around. um, So, So right now we really don't know how many there are? Uh, there's some data, but people have kind of said that it's that it's not complete data. Um, so we're trying to get a better idea. That's part of the idea behind the ordinance is so we can count the number. Other cities are doing this too. Juno just started a registry um, mm. system. Do you have any idea? I mean, is it 5%, 10%? I mean, I don't, how many units are... Because I, I know one person that bought a place. I bet it's and, low. I know somebody that bought I a place. Super and, low, I heard 2%. Honestly, yeah. It's, it's okay because I know somebody that bought a place and that's what they're doing with it. And they're mm-hmm. doing, they're, I guess, doing pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I think the market is really going to solve itself when it comes to short-term rentals. I feel like Anchorage specifically is like super oversaturated. I know a lot of people that are struggling, like newer people that know, are struggling know, to fill Gerdwood's their, their beds. Mm-hmm. Girdwood's yeah. got a, they got a lot, a lot of percent. Yeah. They got like, I thought it was over 50. Yeah. Or I'm something thinking like it's that. like got to be massive. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't even, they used to have that, what was that? They close, it's a different company now, but I mean, basically to rent a place, you have to go through this company and, you know, it's very like, we used to try to get a place for a slush cup and you had to do it six months in advance. Mm-hmm. And it was like mm-hmm. for, for three nights, it was like five, you know, four. I mean, you could put four or five or six people in there, but who it was expensive. I mean, so <laughs> yeah. they're making money. Yeah. People in Gird. I know somebody yeah. that bought a condo in Girdwood 20 years ago. And what did they pay for? Like 200, it's worth like almost like a million dollars. It's mm-hmm. like insane. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. like totally wild. Well, that's what happens when you don't build more stuff, right? Is you know, it's a desirable place to live. There's definitely a market there, a uh, market to rent it out. So, yeah, it's a challenge. I just, I just need to like, I just need to find ten million dollars and like, <laughs> get everything I want to do. 
to worry about this shit. Well, yeah. it's been uh, really great talking to. Um, we've never really we've talked a little bit of the meetings, but this is the first time we've actually had a. A longer conversations. So yeah, re- really pleasant talking to you. Used to, I saw you in Juno a couple of times. You were you were involved in the alcohol. Yeah, the Peter Machicki ten year. Yeah, alcohol. We did a, a satire article a couple of years ago, and it was like, you know, um, what was it like? Peter Machicki promises to buy alcohol for all legislators if they oh, yeah. finally. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, we're talking about his like liver can't take it anymore, and you know, because he's you aware of this? They tried no. to pet, for like ten years. They tried to rewrite the um, kind of alcohol statutes, mm-hmm. and Machicki was the one like really behind it for whatever reason. And it got like really close a couple times, like like end of session, pass one body, House was in the other body, yeah. like the, yeah. it was on the floor. <laughs> they were gonna vote, and the bat died. Mm-hmm. So so this last a year ago, not this one, but the previous one, they got it like across the fit, and she was there at the end of it, and it was mm-hmm. like everybody was like, "Is this gonna be it?" Because it was like ten years, yeah, of yeah. trying to redo <laughs> yeah. this stuff, and it was yeah. like you know like. Um, Part of it was the uh, dispenser, the, the the breweries and the dispenser, the distilleries. Distilleries, yeah. There was other issues, and you were you were in um, was it um, for 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 no uh, for recover last guy was working. Oh for, yeah, okay, but you, but really kind of representing the whole process at the end of it, um, just kind of remembering what was in the bill and you know why why we did X Y Z. Um, I mean, afterwards there was like literally there was like a photo op where they mm-hmm. like all these people were like. Mm-hmm. You could tell the relief on there because yeah. it was, wasn't clear who it was going to – because it became a political in, instrument where the people who had issues with Machiki or had a bill he wanted, it became a very, like, mm-hmm. political, we're not going to vote for this if you don't give me this. and Because mm-hmm. it was such – that's the thing in Juno. If you have a bill you really care about, don't tell anybody mm-hmm. because they will fucking use it against yeah. you. You know, they <laughs> but, will leverage you. But you know what got it across the finish line? Not just Machiki, but, um, but also we held together. So it was a coalition of public health folks, breweries and bars, you know, who historically mm-hmm. have not gotten mm-hmm. along – um, so finding that common ground and moving it through. Because um, really there was that off. moment where you were all sitting yeah. in the gallery. Yeah. All these, yeah. Mm-hmm. a lot of people, the whole yeah. gallery was full of these. Yeah. Representing all- organizations that didn't agree with each other for years. I mean, that was part of it too. You know, the fights, internal fights about what it should look like. But now it'll take effect January 1st. So you can have that beer at the brewery to up to 9 p.m. The, the, the nice. old, the old. Can you play games at the brewery now? Uh, I think they're working music, on that. Yeah, that sort I, of I thing? don't think this will no. be the last alcohol no. bill. But <laughs> yeah, old. no. But I'm excited because I'm gonna. I'm so excited to see um, the opportunity for local businesses to grow, especially breweries. You know, being able to have bar bar licenses if they want. Um, all these. So I think it's one of those things. It's like zoning, where if you just unlock it, then mm-hmm. the businesses cool. will start to do some cool stuff. Yeah. Well, no, it got really nasty for a while because you had the. The distilleries and the breweries who, you know, I kind of somewhat understood the bar owners where they're like, fuck this. We spent a quarter million dollars on a liquor license and now you guys are going to. But also it wasn't really the same crowd. It was a little bit of the same crowd, but I think they could go till 8 p.m. and have two drinks or, you know, whatever the rules were. But it just got to the point where it was ridiculous because Fairbanks has Hoodoo, for example. If you've been to Hoodoo and Fairbanks, yep. it's like yep. the hot spot, you know, and. They should, people are going. They, the people who are going there aren't like closing the bars. Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of deal. And yeah. <laughs> it just got so nasty. I mean, I have people calling me like bar owners and distillery people, and they're like, "You need to write about this mother, this motherfucker." I mean, it was like crazy. It got really. I mean, you, you probably saw it more than I did. I mean, it got mm-hmm. real nasty. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's a lot of money. You know, these bar people feel like they spent a ton of money on the license, and they did. Mm-hmm. And then the, they were feeling like the distillery or brewery people were spending nothing. Mm-hmm. And they were having a quote unquote a little bar. Right. Remember, they couldn't mix them, so they gave you like a tonic water. Mm-hmm. It was so stupid. Yeah, it's like here's your gin, here's your tonic water. Have a good time, because they couldn't like. Yeah, no, I think I think the law changes. I think we're going to see a lot of cool change, and then I think 
building on that, I hope to see similar changes in our zoning code, not not around mixing drinks and so on. But um, <laughs> let's do that. But, but I mean, really, maybe like, that'll get us a zoning thing uh, fixed if we all have a drink. Yeah, no, really letting businesses and letting folks who want to build things be able to do that. Wouldn't it be cool to have our little craft brewery up on the hillside? Something oh, yeah. like that. Open potter, yeah. like. You make know, sure, make whatever. Sure to, and then go home to your small condo. Yeah, you know? heck yeah. 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 I know that's Make sure to cut the trees. Need. Make sure yeah. cut the trees down because of the fire. Yep. I'm telling you, look, you're here to hear first. I'm really mm. very worried about the fire yeah. issue. Well, you're the not the only one. Yeah. Yep. But we need we need yep. to yep. start mitigating that. Well, it was really nice talk. I, I feel like we could go forever. You guys are we fun. Could. You guys are kind yeah, of what's up? Yeah. cool time people. Because I want a beer. I got some beers downstairs. Next time. Next year. Whiskey. I got a whole little bar down there. So well, it was really good talking to you. Eric Visser from Visser Construction, formerly Anchorage Home Builders and then State Home Builders. Correct. Yep. Thanks for having me. And then Anna Brawley from the Anchorage Assembly, mm-hmm. West Anchorage. Um, no assembly races this, this April. Yeah. It's a mayoral and it's going to be a weird one. Yeah. Who's, and school board. Who's winning? And school, school board. board. Who's winning? I don't know. There's, there's def- <laughs> I'll tell you, there's definitely going to be a runoff. It's interesting. Yeah. I went back and checked, mm-hmm. and every mayor that got reelected, um, going back from Baggage to Sullivan to Berkowitz, didn't didn't the second term they won outright, mm-hmm. no runoff. Mm-hmm. The last mayor who didn't serve a full second term was I think, my uh, Wirch. So you know, literally, we've had three mayors in a row besides this one that won a second mm-hmm. term um, in a second election without a runoff. There is definitely going to be a runoff. <laughs> You know, I I bet the house on it. Right. My my little equity, my nice yeah. little house with yeah. some equity. So, and then it really, you know, go for it's gonna. This is gonna heat up after the holiday, after the new year, and then I don't know. It's gonna be. I mean, LaFrance just announced she raised two hundred thousand dollars, which is a lot. The, yeah, I heard they, that the was APOC reports double don't, what Forrest raised at this time last. That's what he had said. Yeah, mm-hmm. the APOC crazy. reports don't come out until February. Yeah. Um, for the, just for, for context, the, my whole race was a hundred thousand by the end, and that's just one assembly district. And that's expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, oh that's, yeah, that's it was expensive. super expensive. It's expensive. Right. I mean, yeah. these, these used to be a lot cheaper. Yeah. So I mean, there's already I, I already see third party groups going that nine oh seven deals going after Bronson and the plowing. I've heard some radio. I mean, there's like it's already kind of starting the third party, mm-hmm. but I I think all in this is going to between the cam- campaigns themselves and the third party groups, we're probably looking at a two or three million dollar election. It could be more than that. Yeah. You know, so it's going to be because uh, the runoff's forty five plus one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I, I would say Bronson's probably sitting in the low thirties, maybe, and then LaFrance probably has some similar, maybe a little bit, you know. And then you're going to have Tuck. I don't know what he's going to, and then you got Pop. Yeah, who knows? Is there is there reliable polling here, like at the local level? Uh, uh, and I ask because sure. I don't know. I'm not sure how. Re- <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's polling. I don't know how reliable it is, yeah. but there has been polling that I've I've heard shows you know Bronson. He's kind of seems to be in the 30s, which is not great for an incumbent. And then you got LaFrance. I, you know, I'm he- I'm hearing kind of similar numbers in the first round, maybe a little more. But then, you know, we, we have Dustin Dart running, so you know, that, that's. <laughs> oh, is he filed yet? He filed, and then okay. the other he's guy. He's a constituent of mine now. Oh, lucky! Yeah. He came to our Snowtown Hall. It was mm-hmm. I remember that interesting. He um, at one point was very angry. They cut his position, and I was like, well, if you wouldn't fuck with people, you know, every meeting for mm-hmm. three years, because he was working for the city for for a while, but. Uh, and then this other Darren Colbury, he's run before. So I, I was actually thinking there was going to be a lot more than six. I was thinking there was going to be I feel like or... there's going to be more. Yeah. Well, I really do. There, there, I don't think it's over. There might be a few fringe people, but mm-hmm. I, if, yeah. as far as Although, serious. It's also not an easy job, right? So I think that's been, been more and more clear the last yeah. few years. So maybe that's. <laughs> like the... if we get another 48 inch yeah. storm, like Bronson's done. I don't even think he'd make a runoff. Oh, like, no. I mean, I, actually, last. <laughs> last that would de- be it. Last December. <laughs> 
Uh, and that, that's actually, that's not, I mean, Lund, um, Lori Lightfoot in Chicago did not make the runoff mm-hmm. last time, which mm-hmm. is, she's an incumbent. I, or last we get this, like a huge April snowstorm or something yeah, like yeah, that, really. like a March April. Yeah. Well, the, the oh, ballot's gone in, Mar- in three months. So, so, so if you want to get in like right now mm-hmm. and you're totally not, haven't started an apparatus, that's not very much time to put, put a campaign yeah, together. The ballot's gone right. mid-March. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I always remember reading a year ago when the, the December nonsense happened where, you know, everything was shut down for 10 days. There was an article I found about all these mayors historically going back like many decades in Chicago and New York. A lot of mayors have lost elections mm-hmm. because of snow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There <laughs> yeah was, I think I've seen that article. There, there, oh, yeah. there was one mayor, I forget who it was, it was, long, it was in the 70s, but it was Chicago, there was a, New York, it was a big snowstorm and like they, they, they were trying to get out there and, and go kind of, you know, do the, do- hey, we're working on it. And they got stuck. Yeah. <laughs> and they took a picture and that was it. Yeah. That was one picture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like some big old Cadillac. Well, and that's that's the reality of local government. We get yeah. we get every issue in the entire world that plays out on our streets, right? Or mm. in our town. And then people expect like they need to be able to get to work. And that's the benchmark. I mean, right? if, yeah. if, if if it I think it the likely at this point at least, and anything these things can change. I mean, mm-hmm. things can happen in these races, local races, but I'd say at this point, the most likely outcome is, is a runoff is Bronson and LaFrance. And while Bronson, there's a lot to criticize him on, um, LaFrance has kind of so far run and put herself in kind of a pretty progressive, you know, and if this becomes kind of like a, you know, culture war deal, more about that than about, I mean, I don't yeah. know. It's, this, like, I mean, is Anchorage going to shut down if there's another pandemic? I, that, like, that's what I'm talking. I mean, this is what, know. this is how kind of, Bronson, it'll be because Dunbar became yeah. associated mm-hmm. with the, you know, that was pandemic stuff, and it was mm-hmm. kind of so. I, you know, the, you can look back, like at least with my race, I know, you know, and talking to people too, I think people were totally over that stuff. You know, regardless yeah. of what side mm-hmm. they, they were, like, I just want my roads plowed, right? And I think, I think that's what we're gonna see. You were running against um, um, the husband of Brian Flynn, right? Yeah, his name is yeah. Brian Flynn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rochelle, Rochelle Alger's husband. Yeah. yeah, so that was. Was there somebody else in there too? Was a third? Wasn't there a third person? Um, like I think there was Dustin Darden. I think that was the third one. Which I actually didn't see him at forums and stuff. I was surprised because I mean, being a West Anchorage person, he's a you know regular fixture on our side of town. Mm. There's so. one of the funniest Dustin Darden things ever is you can find it on YouTube, but it's like twenty, like fifteen or so, it was a long time ago. But he had run for school board, and it was when they were doing the running debates. But you know, the public media was doing it, and his opening like statement was he was singing. Like a religious song, like, I, like, I think Eric Croft might have been, then a few others, and it was like, no, it wasn't Eric Croft. It was school. Remember, it was assembly. I think it was assembly. Mm-hmm. He's like, I love you, Lord. Walk <laughs> and, and like he. This is like two minutes, and everybody. It was like you could tell they were like, oh my god, what is this? And then mm-hmm. it was uh, Zachary Hughes was like. Thank you, Dustin. Moving on. You know, it was yeah. just like such a weird, <laughs> Yeah, no one knew what to do. Yeah. No, we, I remember we've had community forums on the West side. So it was, I wasn't the moderator at the time, but yeah, there were some um, questions that we had to kind of pause for a second, um, especially around Florida. I remember that was his big issue back in the day. It was for a while. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think at one point he got, well, actually it's true um, in the legislative side, he got Jason Grant elected and then he got Sarah Rasmussen elected. Because he ran in both races and he got like ten percent in each one, and Grant barely won in mm-hmm. twenty sixteen, and then he ran as I think it was a Democrat, or was it Independence? It was Independence Party. Yeah, Independent. I and believe. then and then the next time he ran as a Democrat in twenty twenty eighteen, and that's and he Sarah Rasmussen barely won. Yeah, and he got like ten percent. When's Sarah so, coming back to politics? 
I don't know. I mean, she's working at GCI now and got oh, two really? kids, but she, you know, she she got put into a tough district when she got redistricted. Yeah, that was like a very dem- you know she went from kind of a pretty split to a very democratic district. So I don't know. You have to you have to ask her. I'll ask her. I don't think I don't think we've seen the end of Sarah Rasmussen. Yeah. <laughs> see. Well, again, guys, did an hour and a half. I feel like we could awesome. go longer, was, but you, yeah. you guys are fun. You guys yeah. are good. Kind of give a shout out to Carolyn Hall for setting this up. Yeah. Thank you, Carolyn. Really yeah, thank yeah. You. Well, Eric Visser and Anna Barali will uh, we'll talk to you guys. We'll have you guys in the podcast to get in. We're going to be watching for that housing. Okay. We're going to let's get something in that, in that bridge. Okay? Yeah. yeah. Let's build it. Let's build some housing <laughs> I'll in a bridge. Commit to the first yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks uh, again. Right. Cheers. Coming on. Folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.